Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. It's a new serial and so you get the classic standard start. Just yeah, in case we have new listeners who are starting here. I figure new serials, the first episode of a new serial is probably the most likely episode to get new listeners on. Yeah. Not that you can tell, I guess, from our... Uh, <laughs> titles which yeah that's true or not but in case you are starting here um it's a new serial so <laughs> so kyle what have you been up to uh i think the the biggest thing happening in my life or at my house at the moment is that the house is having foundation repair work done yeah, I saw some pictures that you shared of that. It looks like a major undertaking. Yeah, I should post a few updated pictures because we are now basically missing the foundation in like a whole corner of the house. Oh, it's yeah, <laughs> propped up by, you know, these big steel supports and wow. uh I think they said that they're probably going to be pouring new cement next week, so that's exciting. Cool. So uh, overall, how long is this whole project going to take? They said three to four weeks. We've basically finished two weeks now, but the first one was only half a week because of Thanksgiving, so I'm not sure how that is counted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, that's not so bad, I but, guess, yeah, we're... considering the, the scope of the work that they're doing. We were probably either halfway or or more than halfway done. Cool. So other than uh, that, <laughs> trying to think if there's a good segue, the foundation of this podcast yeah. is Doctor Who. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we do foundationally love it. This is the 30th episode of season three, The Celestial yep. Toy Room. Yes. And as we mentioned a minute ago, this is the first episode of a new serial. It is our tradition to not give you the serial name quite yet. Uh-huh. And are we following that tradition? <laughs> we are. Okay. This <laughs> tradition that I started like a few serials ago. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. It is our first serial of the new producer, Innes Lloyd. So welcome, Innes, and good riddance, John Wiles. Yes, uh, we, we said our final John, John last time. And even <laughs> though, uh, having recently finished doing my first pass edit uh, of our previous episode, I think I never actually caught that the producers the new producer's name is innis and not guinness uh, <laughs> welcome innis <laughs> the serial is directed by bill sellers okay this was apparently the only doctor who serial he directed <laughs> did, did he too get fired by the bbc <laughs> or, you know uh, have, have his career ended like the B like the previous guy? Uh, it was unclear. The TARDIS data core that I look at doesn't have a whole lot of information about him. 
the main piece of information that I found is that he attended one Doctor Who convention, didn't enjoy the experience, and <laughs> never did it again. Oh, all right. Well, I, I'm sorry to hear he didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, I mean, it might not might not have been a big like conspiracy drama type thing. He might have just not been that into it. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I mean, not us. Maybe somebody, but not us. (laughs) And as far as writers, this one's written by Brian Hales. Okay. It is his first Doctor Who serial. We've not heard this name before, but he did go on to write five more after this one. Oh, Hales, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) He also wrote... A few more that didn't get produced for TV, but got adapted into audio stories later. Cool. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the second show that we make once we're actually caught up on Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, you know, in the year 3000 or something, when <laughs> the Doctor's Watcher finally catches up with the, the episodes as they air, then we can start right. doing the Doctor's Listener <laughs> and do the audio dramas. <laughs> And, you know, maybe the Doctor's Listener will be a video podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've, we've sort of speculated, I think, something similar before. So I think you have a, a question for me. <laughs> I was wondering. Like, what, I was like, I don't know. Should we talk about the episode? Or are you going to ask me about the clip thing? But no, you're right. I have a question for you. Because, uh, <laughs> last time, for the last serial, we had every every episode. And so I, I got lazy. Oh, that's true. Because the previous one, the, the whole previous serial, um, we didn't have a single frame. Um, and then... We, we had every episode of... Every frame the, of every episode. Yes, every frame. <laughs> um, and so I think I've gotten a little, a little lax. Um, but Kyle, won't you tell us, how did you watch it? So this particular episode was another reconstruction. It's from Loose Cannon production number 36. Okay. Loose Cannon actually did two versions of this serial, LC8 in 1999 and LC36 in 2012. Cool. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that means that the the new version's even better. (laughs) Uh This serial doesn't have any telesnaps. Um, As, I guess, the first serial of new producer Innes, he does go on to rehire the telesnap guy later, but but not for this serial. Maybe I should say, oh, Innes, yeah, because I said, oh, Hales, yeah, already. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, that makes even less sense. But Loose Cannon did apparently get access to a whole giant stash of previously unseen photos of the serial from a private collector. So... I guess LC-36 is based largely on that stash of photos. They also do some CGI, and I think they might film a little bit of their own stuff. Cool, very cool. They also filmed a short introduction to the serial with Peter Purves. Oh, nice. He's Steven. Yeah. It was a little bit spoilery, so I won't really go into what he says in it, but it was kind of fun to have him introduce the serial. And I read online that... This was one of Peter's favorite serials. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Would you remind us of the Cliff Dingler? Ah, now now we do the Cliff Dingler. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so 
I think in our previous episodes, I mentioned that I had watched the first two episodes of the our our previous serial, uh, The Ark, and this time around, I uh, can say I finished it. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> I, even, uh, as recently as last night, so I better remember the cliff dangler. <laughs> but uh, on on that revelation, before I get to the cliff dangler, I did want to say in our previous episode, Kyle said that um, especially in the latter half of the uh, the serial, he had some really fun special effects. And he said that uh, you know he described the the one where the statue explodes and it's it's a little janky. Um, but then he said there were several others too that we didn't even have time for. So one that I wanted to give a special shout out for is the one where the landing pods leave the um, the arc, the spaceship, when all the the monoids are going down, not just the the first landing party. Because you get this great shot of the spaceship. It's all models. Uh, you get this great shot of the spaceship with this like hatch open or whatever it's bay doors open and these little uh, landers come out very much on strings or on wires just like these <laughs> uh-huh. teeny little things um and they're, they're sort of swinging along <laughs> heading down toward the planet it is so cute so charming um yeah i i am so here for that <laughs> yeah all the exterior shots of the spaceship of the arc were great Yes, yes. Oh, and then there was a, another part I wanted to mention where um, they're when they're in the lander and it's the actual you know actors and, and it's a set, uh, especially the first time that the the lander door opens, it's very clear that they still hadn't gotten the hang of the the mechanism because like the sound <laughs> like there's this whirring sound that's supposed to be the door going like near opening, and that starts playing and the door's not opening and then it's sort of like opens by fits and starts <laughs> I, I suspect there's some you know stagehand pulling a line somewhere that hooked up to something uh-huh. and, and it's great it's i <laughs> so much of classic doctor who is all done in one take and man sometimes <laughs> you can tell <laughs> uh-huh um but that leads us to our cliff dangler um where the doctor seems to have disappeared um, so he's fading in and out. We're, we're on our TARDIS. We've already left the, the Ark and we've left Refusus. Um, and, uh, the, so the, the doctor starts to fade in and out. And at first he doesn't notice at first, Stephen and Vicky are just like, doctor, you're disappearing. And he's like, nonsense. But then he, he notices too. And then they, they say, is it something to do with the Refusians or, or Refusians? Because uh, they they were invisible, um, and the doctor says no, it's something much more dangerous or something along that, those lines. It's a form of attack or something like that, and then then he disappears completely. Um, so the doctor has disappeared. We see from the outside of the TARDIS that it has materialized in. Basically, an empty room. Yeah, saves on budget. Uh-huh. <laughs> saves on set design. Actually, funny that you mentioned saves on budget because what I read was that John Wiles, like, way overspent on the arc because <laughs> he was basically mad at getting fired. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, you know, if you fire somebody, you don't keep them on for one more serial. <laughs> uh-huh. 
so yeah, like this this serial actually specifically was trying to save on budget and like got heavily rewritten with that in mind. I remember uh, both of us commenting, or you know, I, I asked you about like how many people, uh, how many extras you see moving around the set, and you were like, "There's actually quite a few people on the spaceship, and we get quite a few monoid costumes." And I guess now we know why. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So they're in an empty room, but Stephen turns the scanner on inside the TARDIS and they don't see anything on the scanner. Like, not not the empty room. They just see nothing. Oh, man. A never-ending story crossover. <laughs> Can't uh-huh. wait for uh, Atreyu and Falkor to show up. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen thinks the scanner's not working, but... The invisible doctor disagrees. Yes, it is. When it isn't working, the screen is not as clear as that. This is part of the same trick. Huh. I dig it. Dodo suggests just Ging TFO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always worth uh, suggesting at least, if not necessarily uh-huh. following through. But good to toss it out there. The doctor says that that might be worse. And also, he's not only invisible, but intangible so he can't operate the controls. <laughs> oh, dang. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I wonder if this is sort of a way of giving William Hartnell like a half a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen offers to operate the TARDIS, like if the doctor tells him what to do, basically, but the doctor refuses. <laughs> yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> he says that they need to face up to whatever's happening, basically. So he makes Stephen open the doors. It's it's kind of funny to me that this is a, a lost serial, given that uh, we can't see like the action that's taking place. And <laughs> uh-huh. I take some comfort in knowing that there wouldn't be much action in the parts where the doctor's talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if the doctor's intangible, why did he need to open the doors? He could have just walked through them. Habit, I suppose. Come on, we should follow. <laughs> uh, maybe there's some sort of energy field because we know that the, the TARDIS is virtually impregnable and that uh-huh. might count for intangible things too. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe there's some sort of is transitional energy between like the the compressed space inside of the TARDIS oh, and like yeah. normal space outside. Totally makes sense. We cut over to what I think is basically the front facade of a giant dollhouse. Cool. Is it meant to be a dollhouse or? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a, look at this beautiful mansion. <laughs> <laughs> There's a white British man there dressed in very fancy Chinese robes. Uh, hmm. Is, uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll Guess we'll find out what's up with that. <laughs> uh-huh. It's actually Michael Guff, who has about 200 listings on IMDb, but is best known for being Butler Alfred in Batman. Oh, okay, cool. You mean the, uh, wait, I should ask, which which version of Batman? Um, the Tim Burton. The Tim Burton. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. He basically selects two clown dolls from the dollhouse. No. (laughs) (laughs) He tells them to show Steven and Dodo some of their tricks. Oh, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) 
he places them on the ground outside of the dollhouse and they basically grow to person size. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't think I like where this is going. <laughs> Back at the TARDIS, Stephen and Dodo have stepped out of the TARDIS into the room where there's now a big wardrobe thing and like a person-sized toy robot, basically. Oh, boy. They can see the doctor again now. Oh, good. So. Well, I guess his vacation's over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Dodo retries her suggestion of Ging TFO. Uh-huh. She speculates that maybe it was actually the Refusian's influence that made the doctor disappear. Yeah, he, he, he got a lot of that sweet, sweet Refusian loving. Uh-huh. But he doesn't think that it was their influence that also made him intangible. <laughs> He's like, man, that Refusian was super tangible, if you know what I mean, <laughs> my dear boy, uh-huh. or my dear girl, I guess in this case. <laughs> so, you know, of course, he wants to stick around here and check things out and figure out what the fuck's happening. <laughs> Classic doctor. Steven sees that this toy robot has, like, basically a TV screen mounted in its chest and on the screen, he sees images of himself on Kemble and himself in Paris. Cool. But Dodo doesn't see anything on the robot screen. Dodo, you just haven't been on the show long enough. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh-huh. This little bit, apparently, is enough to tip the doctor off as to where they are. Now turn around this instance. Come away from it, dear boy. Now in the world of a celestial toy maker, and that screen is hypnotic. He's trying to dominate your mind. Oh shit! I'm into it. That sounds rad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like that the way that the celestial toy maker tries to dominate your mind is by playing a clips episode of you yourself. <laughs> uh huh. It's like uh, Stephen will be into the Stephen's greatest hits. Yeah. <laughs> the TARDIS disappears. And oh, dang. Uh, uh-huh. Michael Guff appears in its place. He and the doctor shout back and forth at each other for a bit. <laughs> uh, that's what we're here for. This is the content that we tune in for. Two old uh-huh. men yelling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor warns Dodo and Stephen that everything here is dangerous. The Celestial Toymaker is trying to get them into his power. I like that the Doctor is familiar with this uh, Celestial Toymaker. Yeah, they've clearly met before. Yeah, yeah. It it sort of reminds me of the monk. um, Yeah. When when he returned, except for, you know, this is the first time that we see the Celestial Toymaker, which I think is kind of cool in its own way because it does speak to the, the, the Doctor's adventures prior to us having... Um, you know, started the show. So, very cool. Yeah, totally. Dodo tries suggesting Ging TFO again. <laughs> uh, at this point, <laughs> I think uh, the chances are, are probably pretty slim. Um, plus, didn't the TARDIS uh-huh. disappear? That, that, yeah, I yeah, that it's it a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> the Celestial Toymaker, when she makes the suggestion, 
distracts her and Steven by showing them hundreds of police boxes. Oh, cool. So, yeah, they're distracted for a minute. And then when they look away from all these police boxes, they find themselves alone in the room. The toy maker and the doctor are both gone. William Hartnell is back on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) A moment later, you know, they're not alone for long because the door in the wardrobe thing in the room opens why do I not like the look on your face, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> of course, out of the door comes the two clowns. No. <laughs> Steven shakes the sad clown's hand, which comes off in Steven's hand. I, I'm, I, I, okay. <laughs> I don't like any of this. Uh-huh. The two clowns trip Steven and Dodo laughs. Dodo, no, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) The sad clown then gives Dodo some flowers. And of course, when she smells them, they squirt water in her face and Steven laughs. Steven, don't encourage them. They try talking to the clowns. The sad clown doesn't seem to be able to talk. He can only honk a horn. (laughs) Uh... Hashtag relatable. <laughs> uh-huh. I never want to say that the clowns are relatable content, but I, I too have honked my sad horn at times. Yeah. The happy one does talk in like an artificially high voice. Oh boy. I'm already dreading having to uh, listen to this finalized <laughs> episode and hearing these horrible voices. Yeah. Before the conversation really gets going, though, the toy maker reappears and explains to Steven and Dodo that the clowns are here to play with them while the toy maker plays a game with the doctor. Uh, Listeners, I think think you can just assume I don't like any of this. I don't know (laughs) if I'm going to keep saying it every time, but Uh um, nope. (laughs) Steven and Dodo get to see a scoreboard of the doctor and the toy maker's game. And he tells them that they need to win all of their games before the doctor wins his game. Huh? I like that the celestial toy maker is assuming that the doctor is going to win his game. <laughs> uh huh. Every time Steven and Dodo win a game, they'll find a TARDIS, but it might or might not be the real TARDIS. Cool. I'm actually kind of into this now. This is uh, this is kind of interesting <laughs> stuff to me. I always like these kind of evil game show type scenarios or evil, yeah, um, yeah, a challenge. Yeah. So basically, they have to win several games. If they win several games, then they'll eventually get the real TARDIS back. But if they ever lose, then they'll never see the TARDIS again. And they'll have to stay here forever as the Celestial Toymaker's guests, quote-unquote. Oh, at least he didn't say that they'd have to stay there forever as his new toys. That, that's later on that oh. he gets more, more explicit about it. Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, they don't really have much choice in this whole scenario, so they agree to these terms. Of course.
You're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy our show, please leave us a five-star review and tell a friend. We appreciate you, listener. You can reach us by tweeting at Dr. Watcher or emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. And now, back to the episode. The happy clown tells them that the first game is Blind Man's Bluff, and we cut over to the doctor and the toy maker who are kind of outside the dollhouse. I think that's like the toy maker's kind of offices area. Okay. So it's clear that they've met before. The toy maker talks about how he really hoped that the doctor would stay long enough for a game last time he was here, but he didn't. Mm. And the doctor's like, yeah, that's because your games are fucked up. Uh huh. <laughs> I saw those clowns. <laughs> and should they lose the game they play, you condemn them to become your toy forever. Hmm? There it is. There it is. Yeah. Toymaker's like, yeah, but if they win, they can leave, so it's totally fine. <laughs> oh, buddy, this is why you don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor asks what game the toy maker wants him to play and the toy maker shows him a triangular table with letters a b and c in the corners uh, this sounds like a very fun game uh-huh <laughs> it's the world's easiest alphabet <laughs> <laughs> on the a corner a stack of 10 pieces appear, like 10 kind of flat triangular shaped pieces all appear in a stack with each piece smaller than the one beneath it in the stack. Oh, it's going to be like you have to get them to the other side um, and and have them like stacked up just as neatly on the other on the other corner. Yep, it's exactly that. And like, you know, you can't put a piece on top of a smaller piece only on top of a larger one. Mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. only move, yeah, one piece at a time. Yeah, I think I've I think I've actually seen this logic puzzle before, and I like uh-huh. that this is an easy one for the the kids watching to replicate at home. Yeah, like, totally. You know, they could just cut up some small pieces of paper or something, mark three points. I dig it. That's fun. Uh huh. Also, please don't make me do it because I don't know if I. Could. <laughs> Kyle absolutely could, listeners. By the way, Kyle is fantastic at these types of logic puzzles. It would probably take me a while because, yeah, 10 pieces, 10 pieces is a lot, but... <laughs> you could do it, Kyle. I, I have faith in you. <laughs> the Trilogic Game? The Trilogic Game. A game for the mind, Doctor, the developed mind. Difficult for the practiced mind, dangerous for the mind that has become old, lazy, or weak. You infer that my mind is getting weak and old? <laughs> we shall see. Perhaps it is merely lazy. How dare you? Uh, this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna make me sad to admit, but are we thinking uh, Toykter? <laughs> I had written down Toy Make Tour. Toy Make Tour, yeah, yeah. Okay, the Toy, to- make, the tour. toy make Tour. I'm into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
kind of has that uh, love-hate vibe. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, there's definitely like a real enemies-to-lovers possibility here. Yes. Or frenemies-to-lovers maybe even. Yes, yes. Uh, listeners, are you also rooting for those two old men to kiss? <laughs> the toy maker is really looking forward to the doctor losing this game and staying here forever. Aww. He actually says that he needs the doctor. Oh man, <laughs> this ship is like, <laughs> it, 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 it's got booster rockets on. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, totally. I'm bored. I love to play games, but there's no one to play against. The beings who call here have no minds, and so they become my toys. <laughs> but you will become my perpetual opponent. We shall play endless games together, your brain against mine. <laughs> uh, why did he ever play Alfred? He's sounding more like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I, I guess maybe the Riddler. Um, anyway, definitely has Batman villain vibes. Yeah, definitely. Also, yeah, I think this is actually a pretty good ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He asks the doctor if the doctor remembers how to play the Trilogic game. So the doctor explains the rules, you know, for the benefit of all the children viewing at home. Very cool. Of course, we went through the rules a minute ago, yeah, so I'll yeah. <laughs> repeat it now. The only thing to add is that he does have to complete the game within 1,023 moves, which means that he can't make a single mistake. Wow. I, uh, yeah, now I know what you mean by 10 pieces being a little difficult. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, like the more pieces you add, the more, basically just the more repetitions of the algorithm you're going to have to do. Yeah, it does kind of the deeper like it's going to get. Figure it out, you can probably, you know, yeah. keep it going. It just takes that much longer. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think more pieces are necessarily harder. There's just a lot more to to do. Yeah, but I mean, especially if it's going to take a thousand and is it a thousand twenty three? Yeah, it's easy to get distracted or to lose your place or something. And yeah, for sure, make just one mistake, it's all over. So the doctor prepares to start. The toy maker tells him that Dodo and Steven are on their own set of games. And he points to a view screen on the wall where the two of them are visible. And we cut over to the two of them. The room has been set up with variously shaped large blocks around and like arrows and spaces and whatever on the floor. Cool. And the happy clown, Clara, explains the game to them. I'm so glad they're still around. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, okay. There's a little piece of me that was hoping they'd just been there for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so in this game, the player will be blindfolded and then will have to navigate this obstacle course basically without falling down. Joey, the sad clown, is going to be the first player, so he'll go first. Clara blindfolds him and then leads Stephen and Dodo over to a glass booth where they can buzz a buzzer to give instructions to the player. Hmm. One buzz for right turn, two for left, three for stop, four for stop. 
it seems like there's too many buzzes. <laughs> like by the time you finish uh-huh. giving the command, that person's already tripped over something or <laughs> yeah. So Clara buzzes four times and she and Steven and Dodo watch as Joey uses a rope to swing over a couple of pointy blocks and he lands on some kind of stepping stone blocks which he's able to easily hop across. The doctor, meanwhile, uses an intercom device to warn Steven and Dodo that the game's not what it seems, but the toy maker interrupts him and turns the intercom off. Yeah, I was, uh, I was kind of surprised that the doctor even had access <laughs> to the toy maker. He was like, no, don't touch that. <laughs> uh-huh. He basically tells the doctor to play his own fucking game and he advances the Trilogic board to move 152. Oh, oh no. He also turns the Doctor invisible again. <laughs> just and the doctor's, just he can. <laughs> uh-huh. Doctor's like, how the fuck am I supposed to play it now? So the toy maker allows him to have a single hand. Uh, you fan fiction writers, uh, <laughs> have at it. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, one hand and, you know, maybe two or three inches of the doctor's coat sleeve appear and kind of floats around the board, moving a couple pieces around. Wow, special effects. (laughs) (laughs) Joey has now successfully navigated the course and Stephen is confident that he can do it as well. There was a part of me that thought that Joey was going to fail almost immediately and like burst into a cloud of confetti as he fell (laughs) onto one of the the pointy cones or or pointy blocks Uh or something. No, unfortunately not. Well, can't blame me for wishful thinking. (laughs) Steven heads over to the start of the course and Clara blindfolds him and then accompanies Dodo into the booth. Joey, however, stays out on the course and starts moving a few blocks around. Uh, the doctor warned you, the game's not what it seems. Uh-huh. Of course, this throws Steven off. He doesn't quite fall, although he comes close a few times. Dodo has to, like, really lay into the navigational buzzes, giving him, like, you know, the buzz for left and the buzz for right and everything. Uh-huh. And with Dodo's navigational assistance, he is able to navigate the stepping stone portion of the course in spite of Joey's interference. I hate these clowns, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the next portion of the course after the stepping stones is a balance beam. Joey honks his horn at Stephen while Stephen crosses the balance beam. Man, but you don't honk your horn at a man on a balance beam. That's just, <laughs> uh-huh. that's just basic politeness. Stephen's a person of action. He makes it across in spite of the horn honking. Okay. And the final portion of this course is this pretty narrow sort of square shaped long tube 
that you're supposed to crawl through. That sounds super fun. Uh Uh-huh. Steven has to kind of grope around a little bit on his hands and knees to find the entrance to this, this tube. And he starts going in that way, but pretty quickly decides that he's too big. So he just like lays down on his back and starts going in that way instead. Uh, good luck, Steven. While he's in the tube, you know, Dodo's worried about him getting stuck. But Joey goes and, like, moves the other end of the tube. So now it's pointing at the stepping stones instead of pointing at, like, the end of the course. Gasp. What? Stephen. What diabolical treachery. (laughs) So Stephen makes it through, and, of course, he's still wearing the blindfold, so he's only able to find the stepping stones again. And he gets frustrated and pulls the blindfold off. Clara declares that the clowns have won, but Dodo disagrees, saying that Stephen, you know, rightfully finished the course and that yeah. the clowns cheated. Yes, I'm, I'm with Dodo on this one. Yeah, she's 100% correct. She then goes on to discover that Joey's blindfold was see-through, Oh, man, these clowns. So Stephen insists that Joey do the course again with the real blindfold this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see you do it, Joey. Yeah. So Dodo ties Stephen's blindfold onto Joey. Clara heads into the buzzer booth to guide him, and... He is able to make his way across the stepping stones to the balance beam, but the tone has become very somber. You know, Dodo talks about how the clowns aren't being funny anymore, and, like, this is actually to the point of frightening her. Yeah, uh, I don't know if those clowns were ever funny there, uh, Dodo, but (laughs) glad we're Uh, on the same page, finally. Joey's on the balance beam, He seems to be getting less and less sure of himself as he crosses the beam and he eventually loses his balance and falls off. Good. And at this point, Clara in the control booth basically just kind of slumps over onto the controls. Oh, like like she became lifeless or something? Yeah. Oh, creepy. The whole room goes dark except for basically a spotlight shining on the TARDIS at the other end of the room. Hooray, our first TARDIS. And hopefully uh, the last time we'll see the um, (laughs) Chloe ship. Clara. I know, but the ship. (laughs) Oh, oh, the ship. Yeah, yeah. Chloe. Chloe or Jer? I think think Chloe. Okay. (laughs) Well, hopefully that just sank... Sank down to the bottom of uh, whatever clown juice tank it was floating in. Uh Uh-huh. Steven and Dodo head over to the TARDIS, and they open the doors, but of course, it's a fake TARDIS. Yeah, we didn't think the first one was going to be the real TARDIS. Yeah. And then the words on the screen, or or, you know, there's only a note on the inside of the TARDIS that says, next episode... (laughs) There is actually a note on the inside of the TARDIS. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
they find a piece of paper which reads, Four legs, no feet, of arms, no lack. It carries no burden on its back. Six deadly sisters, seven for choice, call the servants without voice. What does it mean? Wow. I mean, I, I, I dig riddles, but I think uh, <laughs> this episode is going to be too long if you wait for me to try to solve it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing comes to mind. I've never heard this one before. Yeah, they they think about it for a moment. They're pondering what it means. And then Stephen discovers that the back wall of the fake TARDIS is a door. And oh. yeah, so he opens it. Dodo basically takes a last look at the game room that they were in. And as they head through the fake TARDIS into the next room, the words in the, the words say. next episode, the hall of dolls appear on screen. Doll Hall. <laughs> I like that we got a riddle, but no answer. So, you know, the kids could puzzle it out before the next episode. Uh-huh. And yeah, I don't know if if this bit was in the original episode or just in the reconstruction. I'm, but after the next episode words and before the end credits, the music starts to play and the words of the riddle appear on screen for a little bit before the credits roll. Yeah, so it really must have been there for the kids to give them a chance to try to solve it. Mm-hmm. Well, listeners, you'll have a couple of weeks to uh, come up with a solution yourselves. <laughs> or, you know, Google it. Yeah. I didn't really put too much effort into thinking of the solution myself. Oh. Does that mean that you solved it with... Minimal effort because it was so easy for you, or you just went ahead and watched the next episode and found out. No, it means I just watched the next episode and found out. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, as much as it pains me to say this, Kyle, I, there's a part of me that's glad that this episode is missing, <laughs> given all the clown content. Yeah, that's fair, but it does mean that the toy maker ship. Uh, has to be in reconstruction only for this episode. So now at the end of the first episode, I think that's when I've been giving you the serial name, which in uh -huh. this case is The Celestial Toy Maker. Okay, so the episode was The Celestial Toy Room, and the serial is The Celestial Toy Maker. Is that right? Right. Cool. And, of course, the celestial toy maker is Michael Guff. Yes. Very cool. All right. Well, I, I do like, you know, evil game shows. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm very, yeah, I, I like this so far. All, all talking about clowns aside, um, my dislike of clowns comes back around to finding this very interesting <laughs> well next episode hall of dolls is i guess these clowns originated as dolls so it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that we're clown free nope <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll just have to hold on. See if uh, see if we get further clowned by this uh, cereal. Did you have any other notes for us, Kyle? No, I think that was it. All right. Well, in that case, we would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song that he made for us. You can find his album on Bandcamp and check him out on SoundCloud. Um, thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me listen to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at doctorswatcher uh, at the doctor's watcher at gmail.com. Sorry, I was sort of like falling into the, the, the <laughs> pattern here. Um, and uh, yeah, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and a review if you love us a lot. Give us Indeed. a four-star rating and a mediocre, lukewarm review if you love us a little. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friends and come back in two weeks. Yep. And, uh, yeah, tell us what you thought the answer to the riddle was. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye. You're so innocent, Doctor. The last time you were here, I hoped you'd stay long enough for a game. But you had hardly time to turn around. And very wise I was too, hmm? You and your games are quite notorious. You draw people here like a spider does to fly. How absurd. It amuses me to give amusement. And should they lose the game they play, you condemn them to become your toy forever, hmm? That is one of my rules, certainly. But if they win, they're perfectly free to go. And if I refuse? Then you lose by default. Is that what you choose? No, I do not. I should never have left the TARDIS. You're so insatiably curious. That's why I ensured that the scanner would be blank. I knew that would bring you out. Another one of your conjuring tricks, hmm? <laughs>